0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Release the Ape podcast. My name is Bo Cresetto and Linton Daniels with me as well. Um, Just a reminder, you can follow us on YouTube at Release the Ape, or you can find us on almost any podcast platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, We have it both in audio form and video form. So um, thank you for following along. And we are excited to be back. Linton, it's been like, (laughs) four months maybe longer yeah done a podcast um how are you
1: doing man what what's going on in your world uh you know overall you know it's been it's been a crazy few months i'm sure we're gonna catch up um on the on the podcast but i mean i think uh most recently family and i we we had covid so we were all covid positive so it was kind of a tough week in the daniel household but um we're, we're back to normal now. Our, uh, kids are back to school. Bettina's at work. I'm on this podcast. I might cough a couple times, but we're, we're doing good. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad
0: everyone's healthy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. The last few months for me have just been a mix of like summer, right? Traveling, um, getting all the campuses going again. Mm-hmm. I know back in the spring, y- you were really busy with getting a church plant. Uh, Mm. launched and in the start of that, that's part of what delayed us in podcasting, which you're going to share a little bit. And now um, I'm, I'm screaming on the other end with all the campus stuff in Louisiana. And so um, today, what we want to talk about is kind of this idea of the 10, 10, 10,000 hour principle. I I think Ryan and I, Ryan Linson and I (laughs) have talked a lot about um, Malcolm Gladwell's principle. I think it's the outliers and just He talks about the need for putting in 10,000 hours if you want to see expertise uh, come about or breakthrough come about. And Linson and I have just been sharing some stories about planting and starting ministry and just how it's not a perfect equation, right? Obviously, the biblical reality of planting is mysterious in a lot of ways. But there also is something true to this idea of like, it just takes time. It takes hours. It takes uh, keeping your hand to the plow, so to speak, working on your craft, keeping the vision out there. And in, in, in this day and age, we want microwaved ministries. We want things to go quick. We want things to go faster. I know, Linson, you, you've said to me so many times when I'm sharing stories like, man, people are going to just think this is an overnight success or this just happened overnight. But I know this has been two, three, four years in the making. People don't always hear those stories. Yeah. And so today we want to uh, share a couple um, stories that are happening in our ministries. And we want to help you see kind of the backside of it, the the oven, so to speak, the, the 10,000 hours of baking that's <laughs> gone into some of these breakthroughs so that you're not just seeing um, our stories or thinking if you're a younger planter or evangelist that you know, ministry just happens overnight, or that if you have this great vision and you go start it and it doesn't happen in one year, then you're a total failure and maybe you should just move on to something else. So um, does that sound good, lindsay Should we just yeah. jump into it? Yeah, let's do it, bro. Yeah. All right. So um what I wanted to share with y'all today to encourage you is just the story of seeing ministry get going in New Orleans. And so I wanna I wanna tell you a little bit of, of the story arc. And then share with you where we are now. And then Linson and I can talk through some of the principles we're seeing in that. I know Linson's also going to talk about what's going on with his new church plant and the behind the scenes of that as well. But when I first got here to Louisiana in 2018, and we were restarting InterVarsity across the state, at that time, it was the only place in America we didn't have an varsity. So you think about Louisiana, 38 campuses, no intervarsity ministry. And I'm this like crazy apostolic dude trying to get things going. So I'm down in New Orleans working with people. I'm over in the city called Hammond, which is an hour the other direction. I've got a guy over in Lafayette, which is an hour the other direction. And an varsity staff had a son that was at Tulane down in New Orleans and so I was doing a lot of work down in New Orleans and quickly all this ministry started popping up at Tulane, at Loyola, at Xavier, different places in 2018. If you think about the school, year, are like fall 2018, spring 2019, lots of incredible things happening. And then as the fall of 2019 came around, stuff just started frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't catching. We didn't get the student leaders that we thought we were going to have I'm an hour to an hour and a half away trying to help sustain this ministry they don't really know me very well there's not a lot of trust I'm sure you know as a planter like you want to give a lot of proximity and a lot of um, on the ground time because that's how trust is built with people just even being around you so me popping in and out I just felt some of the tension out like man I need some staff down here like Mm -hmm. I need people to love on this campus and so long story short We go through that 2019, 2020 year, right? And the pandemic hits right in March. And basically all of the ministry that we saw springing up in New Orleans stopped right around the pandemic a little bit before, but like the pandemic just really did like the final cut. Like if something's hanging by a string, uh, March, 2020, just cut that string. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have any ministry in New Orleans anymore. And what I haven't said yet to this point is there were some really painful um, relationships in that time too. Have Mm -hmm. you ever had moments where you're investing in someone and then they just go away and you're like, dude, I've been investing in you for like six months Mm -hmm. and now you're just ghosting me or you're gone or you no longer want to be involved. Have you had a moment like that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. That could be a whole nother episode. What do you do with disappointments of people you're investing in? Yeah. And then they're gone. And so there was four, five, six kind of painful relationships in that as well. It wasn't that just ministry went up and then it went back. And now I don't have anything. It's like, dude, I invested a lot. I'm driving down. I'm caring for these people. I'm hosting them, and then they just don't want to be in my ministry for one reason or another. And you know that can cause you to really doubt your calling. Do you have what it takes? you know, you're, you're new to this area, maybe you're just not good in this area, you need to go back to where you came from type of thing. And it just really bothered me. And I think as a competitive person, as an mm-hmm. apostolic person, it just drove me nuts that we didn't have anything going on in New Orleans. Meanwhile, things are, are going on in other parts of the state. And it became very clear with the limited staff team I had, we just had to focus there. So The long story short, there is, I had to just let New Orleans sit and kind of bake. And it was actually a healthy discipline for me not to do work there. I couldn't, I'm only one person. I can't be in four different cities at once when I don't have partners on the ground. And so I had to exercise this discipline of patience and planting, where like the vision is out there. Like we want to see ministry down in New Orleans, but I can't activate it yet. And when your number one strength is activation or achieving, dude, that's hard, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm letting this hang out and and we're praying about it. (laughs) What we also saw in that time is what New Orleans really needs is a black student movement. It needs a citywide movement. There's a lot of black students they are underserved there. And it just became really clear to our team, like, man, that is something God wants to do and is inviting us into. And so another hook I would put in the story is just, you know those times when you have a clear vision and a clear dream but you can't activate it like you're stuck you're you're almost harnessed and you're like come on this is so clear like where is our partner where is our staff like I want to activate it but you just know you can't so that's driving me driving me crazy well I'm fast forwarding to today and last you know April or so or March some guy reaches out to me through our website and is like hey man are you hiring Those things never work, you know, (laughs) go back to your inner varsity days. uh, When you get those emails that are like, Hey, are you hiring? It's like, those are like one in a thousand, like 999 of those do not work for whatever reason. Like theology doesn't match. People don't want to fundraise. They don't get it. So of course I'm like, okay, let's see what happens here. Another long story short. I talk with this guy, We interview and it's like looking like a really good fit, like, oh my gosh. And so it's this black guy named Zach. He's moving down to New Orleans to go to the seminary, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And he's like, I want to work part time and do campus ministry. I came across your website, says you want to do multi-ethnic work. And as I'm sharing with him, the vision of like a citywide black student network is, is emerging for him. And telling him the story of how we've been praying and waiting for someone to kind of get Mm -hmm. this going. We go through that whole process of application, interview, all that. And he's like, dude, I want to do this. I'm excited about this. And I feel like, okay, let's bring you on and let's see how this goes. But he's new to varsity, never been in varsity. He's newer to New Orleans, even though he's not new to Louisiana. And there's always that nervousness too. Like, is this going to even work out? Like, is this going to be a good fit? But let me just tell you, man, we brought him on in July and immediately it's just been amazing. He's loving connecting on campus, connecting with people around the city. He immediately found a couple of volunteers at the seminary that are part of the black seminarians, uh, Lakeith and Gabrielle. And this team is emerging, bro. That is like, we want to reach black students. We're calling it collegiate black and Christian and we're starting ministry at Delgado Community College, University of New Orleans, and Southern University of New Orleans. And they're becoming this team. They're strategizing. They're putting time to it. And just even recently, Lakeith and Gabrielle, who are volunteers, like, hey, how do we work with this organization? Like, how do we be part of this? Like, we want to do more. And I said, look, most people don't understand that we fundraise. And that's a huge turnoff. But if we're going to have multiple staff reaching black students across Louisiana and creating this collegiate black and Christian network, we're going to have to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for this network and bring people on. And they were like, that's really exciting. (laughs) They're like, we would love to, to create presentations and present to people and invite them to further the mission of black students across Louisiana, like sign us up. I was like, excuse me. Because wow. mostly, most of the time when you say fundraising to people, they're like, dude, I'm out of here. Yeah. They're like, I totally see it, man. This is like what we've been wanting. Like we didn't even know it, but like your vision is what we want to do. <clears throat> so much so, dude, I told them I'm going to LA. I have a meeting already set up to raise money for this network because I shared with some people that have resources. They're like I want to invest in this. Lakeith says, take me with you on the trip. I want to go with you and and talk to these people. So me and him are going at the end of September to meet with these people, to start raising money, to grow this network. And I just sit back and I'm like, okay, I don't know where this is going. Of course, I don't know. I don't know if this thing's going to fizzle out in two years. But what I can say is, man, I've been here four years and I've invested in New Orleans a lot at the beginning. And then I had to have this waiting period of a couple of years and like God's digging out this vision and digging out this, this care and working on my disappointment and frustration, like the deep kind of disappointment that keeps you up at night. And you're like, oh man, like I'm just dragging that we don't have something there. And now all of a sudden it's come full circle and I've got these partners and excitement and it's like because all that vision and digging out was there as soon as these people show up it's like let's go we're Mm -hmm. we're ready and so i don't i don't know how it's coming across on your end as i'm telling this story but i i want to share it on this podcast because i think there's some incredible principles that maybe we could mine and and you can share your some of your Mm -hmm. planting stories as well that are like this stuff doesn't happen overnight and there's wins there's disappointments But if your vision is clear and your calling is clear and you know the Holy Spirit is leading you to something, I don't know how long it's going to take, but he is going to break that through and he's going to bring resources. He's going to bring partners. And like we have to just stay in the pocket and stay Mm -hmm. patient and
1: focused and diligent and not give up. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of the backdrop, like societal backdrop to your story is during the pandemic until this moment, um, you know, the great resignations happening. You know, people are leaving their jobs all over. How the place. many ministers
0: are quitting? But you mean just j- jobs in
1: general? Yeah, I meant just jobs in general. But um, and, you know, some people are calling it the great reshuffling. People are leaving jobs, going to different other places, stuff like that. But like to your point in ministry, um, a lot of young ministers, ministers under 40, um, I mean, I think there's a huge churn. I mean, they're just leaving. Uh, they're leaving ministry. So many young pastors are leaving the leaving their congregations. Um, and then coupled that with so many of our um, maybe idols or icons that we were following in ministry have fallen also during that time period, Right. So I, I remember, I mean, you know, you, you, you know, I mean, you were sharing kind of broad strokes, but there were moments like even when you and I were just on a phone call together where man, I could sense you were down, man. Like you, you were, you were like, man, I don't know if this is going to, like, I don't know if this is going to happen, you know? And, um, and then like, but feeling like I usually God calls people uh, like, especially us and in, in, in all the ministry we've done over the decades. It, like God calls us and then things happen and it feels significant and it multiplies and, you know, and then all this happens. And then like you're in this position in Louisiana where we've all jointly heard God's call and helped you discern. And we know this is where you're supposed to be, but it just sucks, you know? Um, <clears throat> and it's almost like the toughest place for someone with your gift set, like the activistic, you know, like get out there and activate, get out there and achieve, you know, strategize, you know, vision cast, competitive, you know, all of that, you know, and then it's almost like you got put in a place where all those gifts were um, being dampened, you know. Um, And, and again, if nobody knows that part of your story, and then they hear what's happening on campus this fall, they'll be like, man, there there they go again. These guys are in their overnight success, their Midas touch or whatever, you know? But it's really what the Lord is doing is I often think the spiritual breakthrough or the personal integrity breakthrough, the spiritual discipline breakthrough often is precursor to some of this, this stuff that happens on campus. I think God was digging a trench of like resilience in those moments where you were like, I don't know, I don't know what, to, like what, what's going on anymore, you know? Um, and God's like, yeah, new Orleans will receive a breakthrough. There's going to be like wells of restoration. It's going to be this network of, of black students that you've been feeling and birthing, but I got to work on you mm-hmm. and I got to like really help you release some things here, control here, um, you know, you know, release your dreams here, Release the sense of like, I don't know, pride or hope in this here. And as you start to let go of those things, you're becoming more and more like Christ. And then God brings the, this harvest, you know, and in, in, in God's grand wisdom, the harvest work, the harvest happening to the worker that had not gone through that might've damaged them, but to let the worker go through a season, of drought through a season of difficulty in, 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 resilience. Now the harvest means more, but the harvest is now in the hands of the person God wants it to be in, you know? And, and I think there's some spiritual work there, but then also oftentimes it's in the valley that you need to get to our, like kind of the 10,000 hour. It's like, the hours of intercession, the hours of quiet contemplation, the hours of like journaling and writing your heart out before God often get pushed to the margins in really, really active ministry time. And you'll never ever get to like, say, quote unquote, the 10,000 hour mark in some of these really rich disciplines, except in seasons of valley and decline and reset, you know, Mm-hmm. And and so I sometimes feel like like that that's kind of what was going on for me too. Like I I feel like we haven't even hit the breakthrough mark yet. You're in front of us on your U curve uh, with New Orleans. Like my church, you know, when we're planting at this new location, I mean, there's just been some tough sledding. You know, we're just you know hitting hitting some you know issues. Like when you plant churches, you know. Um, you know buildings and rent and overhead like the barriers to entry are a little different than planting on campus right right and so you're, you're dealing with cities and you know and the, the city code and like I remember we were about to launch the church in like two days and the city shows up and says you can't let anybody in here like we still haven't done this this particular inspection that inspection the fire inspection all of that I'm like what happened you know and now we feel embarrassed. We've got to turn around and say, Hey, we're not ready yet to open the church. And then it pushes the timeline. And then, you know, securing the funding and all of that, you know, you just go and you just wonder, like, I just want to reach people and I can't, I mean, there's just so much happening. And then all the while for us as pastors, as we've been praying for for this, this church plant, God keeps telling us it's going to be a house of miracles. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, we can't even get the place open. Like we could, we could use a miracle right now, God. <laughs> uh, and and he and he just keeps saying it. it's going to be a place of miracles. And so then you know, first Sunday comes. I mean, it's awesome. People are showing up. It's a great launch Sunday. We've had several weeks now. Where you know, you know how you when you start a plant, it's everybody's new every week. You know, it, you're just hoping some people repeat. You know, it's just a churn of new people coming in, coming in. But it was interesting, the guy that we have there right now, a young man that's kind of like sitting as our campus pastor, week out, week in, week out, as I kind of travel between our churches and, and ministries and stuff like that. He all of a sudden gets sick, mm. like super sick out of nowhere. And I'm like, this is not the time, God, you know, and and it, it is debilitating. He's super scared. His wife's scared. I mean, we're all shocked because we're like right in the throes of, of planting a church and he gets really sick. Um, And it looks like it's going to be one of those chronic illnesses for the rest of his life. And, and I just, and the, all of us as a team thought, okay, this is not cool. Like we've said to people out loud, we follow the Lord speaking. This is going to be a house of miracles. And now the dude that's helping lead the thing gets sick and is going through all this stuff. And, um but anyways we went into a time of fasting and prayer went to valley man it was just dark valley right sure there's people coming and stuff like that but it just feels like internally we're in a valley Mm -hmm. and it's in those places man where you're just like god we we don't know what to do like our eyes are on you guys um you told us to come and now we look like fools out here we got a building up. we got the signage coming in (laughs) i mean it's just it's just like you look like the you look like such great fools. And that's what part of being an ape is all about, going out there, doing the foolish thing, trusting God and, like you know, looking at God while everyone's laughing at you. Right. Um, and then at, after a season of kind of fasting and prayer, I know this sounds wild. our Our campus pastor there is completely healed,
0: wow. like
1: body restored, doctors freaking out. And we're in shock and I, we could all just sense God be like, well, I mean, I can't open up a house of miracles if, if like my ministers never tasted and seen themselves mm. that I'm a miracle working God, you know? And so now when he presents himself and presents the vision, he feels it in his body. Wow. You know? Like the vision. And so sometimes God prepares us and puts us through 10,000 hours of work allows us to experience breakthroughs so that when we do share the vision, it's coming out of a place of like, dude, I'm not BSing with you, man. Like I've been here in New Orleans. I've come out here. I was there and had my heart broken. I was here and had my heart broken. Here's where I thought something was going to happen and it didn't happen. And now I'm trusting the Lord again. And now you guys are here, right? the same way, like, We're not telling you that God can heal theoretically or scripturally or theologically. Um, We're telling you personally that that God can heal you. Right. So there's just something there and we want to just encourage apes out there. If you're going through the the dark part of it right now, the really difficult part, that's not, you're not in the, you're not heading in the wrong direction. Right. You know? And so those are some of my thoughts, you know, and sometimes we just got to, have that grit, you know, just grind it out during those difficult times, not give up, you know, um, not leave, you know, and just stay, stick with it, you know. Um, I think pandemic was one of those seasons for all of us as, as apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, that we were really wondering if we had a calling anymore, especially as the shepherd teachers were having like They were really needed, and no one really wanted to talk to the apostolic or the prophetic or the evangelistic. Right. Yeah, that's some thoughts I had as I was reflecting. Yeah,
0: I mean, a couple things that I'm hearing hearing you talk, and then I'm I'm thinking about this New Orleans story too. A couple principles that I could add in for those yeah that have a vision. Um, and maybe it's not going the way you thought it was going to be going. Like, like you mentioned, one thing I think about with, with my story is, and it actually connects with yours too. Like you said, Hey, you got to kind of go through it or you've got to experience the miracle in your body that you're giving hope to for the church, Mm -hmm. like a house of miracles. Well, I think if I wasn't down in new Orleans, trying all that stuff and then having it, you know. "Quote unquote," fail on me or go back, or if I think about some of the other places I've been in Louisiana trying to get things going and they're going up and down, if I didn't have that personal experience with those places, with those campuses, with those people in the same way your, your pastor and your church going through it, I can't help the people that are going to lead it forward very well either. I can't yeah. encourage them or pray for them. Like now as I'm around now New Orleans partnering with them or over in Hammond or Lafayette or Baton Rouge, it's like, dude, I've been on this campus. I've been in these buildings. I've been uh, in this student union. Like I know exactly where to park. I know how to deal with this. Like I'm coaching them with knowledge. And so the principle I'm trying to bring is sometimes when you're uh, pursuing a vision and it's not going right immediately or it goes right and falls back, it's because God's giving you some experiences that are important for when the breakthrough comes later that you can say like, I've done this, I've been through it, or you can help encourage them through a hard time. Yeah, He needs to teach you some stuff or give you some experiential knowledge in the moment, like with the healing of your pastors. I think of that, like God might be bringing you through a season of crap for the greater breakthrough that's coming later. You need the experiential knowledge. Second principle I'm thinking about is, especially as an apostolic leader, that's thinking about a big space or a big geography, you might not be the one to lead it. And I think that's a lesson I've been having to learn too, is wasn't mean to have vision for something and passion for something, but you're not the leader. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying I was down in New Orleans in those early years out of line or anything. Like, mm-hmm. I just think part of what God was doing is like, you're not the leader for this. Like, you're mm-hmm. not the one that's going to carry that forward. So experiencing all of that and seeing all that vision and then having to go through that period of waiting, I still had all the vision. I still had all the hope, but now I'm praying for the right leaders to emerge. And now as I'm seeing these leaders, they're going to take it forward. Like I'm going to coach them and encourage them and resource them and pray with them, but they're the ones that are going to lead it. And I'm wondering if, part of the digging out of vision is like God's got to show us certain things Mm -hmm. as planters, but then we got to wait for the right people to come. And and that's hard. Mm -hmm. I think, especially if you're wired apostolically, you tend to think or lead as the planter, as the leader, not Mm -hmm. as the, as the empower or the releaser. Mm -hmm. And, That's another principle that I think I'd want to encourage people in is you might need to hold on to and pray for a vision for many years until the leader comes. It's the right leader. That's not you. And God might be giving you that pain and that vision in order to pray and long for the place that you won't even lead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like God's giving you the experience, right? And and remember God doesn't waste that. So Mm -hmm. you'll be able to bless others. But at the same time, it's in that breaking down that we, you and I, we, we learned to let go. And because before it was a really captivating vision. It's like this, this, this crystal we're holding on to our, we're thanking God for our God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did give it to you to look at and stuff, but I need you to let go of it right now. Cause I'm going to be handing some of this off to others. And, and that, that letting go of control we talk about all the time, but sometimes it gets hammered out in us. Mm-hmm during those really hard, difficult times. And we're just learning to let go. We got so beat down. And we're like, God, you know what am I going to You just open up your hands. And God's like, perfect. Now, watch me multiply it because you've just trusted me and you've let go of it instead of trying to control it and, and go out there and do everything on your own. And I think that's another one of those experiences. The the, the empowering sometimes happens through times of difficulty, like you you know, you, you go through those experiences and it teaches you that. Um, so I love that gives you experience, teaches you how to truly multiply, right? Because you're learning how to let go. Yeah. And I think you and I have been dancing around it, but like this perseverance or resilience that gets built up in you, like you just become a seasoned kind of a leader. Like you, when you and your younger staff face adversity, they're just noticing how you don't flinch or you're not, you're not hurt by that. You're like, hey, it's okay. We got it. Because right. what was baked in you during those 10,000 hours or whatever, you know, whatever we want to call that analogy, whatever was being baked in you was resilience, you know. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of when Elijah was praying for rain, you know, after the, the you know, facing off with the prophets of Baal, um, he's like uh, on the mountain praying, he tells his uh, servant to, hey, go look, I just said it's going to rain. So go out there and look. And he, he goes and he looks in the horizon. He's like. I mean, I don't, I don't, what do you want me to look for bro? There's nothing out there. It's not even a cloud right out there. And you're saying it's going to rain. And he's like, okay, thank you. And then he prays some more. And then they do that seven times. I mean, at some point I'm just going to tell you either as a servant or as Elijah, I I think I would have given up before that seventh run, you know, and even the report of the seventh look outlook. So that, so the servant goes out there he says i see way out in the horizon like way out there a cloud about the size of a man's hand you know like like just like barely creeping out um and then elijah has the understanding that's it you know and uh, the the servant's like and now I don't, I don't think that's it, you know, but he just knows, like, that's it, you know, and that, that interaction between Elijah and his, in his servant, there's a resilience that the servant can see, right, mm-hmm. in his seven times back and forth. And then there's like this faith, like when they only gets built in three years of drought, you know, that like, that's it. Are you sure that's it? That's it. That's the rain that we've been praying for. It's about to be here, and and again, those kind of leaders only get built, and and again, people say that's an overnight success. No, that's not an overnight success. That is a man that was being shaped, a person, a man or a woman, a minister has been shaped during a season of drought.
0: Right. That's good, man. And I think there's a lot of people that have that that start out in ministry, even in this recent season, that have big dreams or have big prayers. And then they think if it's not happening in two years, then it's not going to happen. And I'm just going to do something else. And it's like, no, like <coughs> if you're going to get a big dream from God and a big prayer. It might take years. And, and you have to stay at it with grit, with perseverance, with prayer. It takes time. And I think, I think what I'm, I'm even sensing now as we're talking is, there's almost this lie in apostolic people like us that we believe that, Hey, if it's going to take a lot of long time, then maybe it's not a very big vision. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's, if I'm, if that's being said right or how I'm sensing it in my heart, but it's like, if I have this big vision, then I have a lot of energy for it and I want to see it happening pretty quickly or else I'm not going to stay very motivated because, you know, I'm passionate now and I'm ready to activate now. And you hear people saying, well, it's going to take time. You got to be patient. It's almost like we're hearing people saying, like, don't have that big of a dream. Just it's OK. Mm. Like, it's it doesn't have to be that big. It's the long run into some of us planters. It's like barf, like not <laughs> playing the like slow, wrong run or long obedience in the same direction. It's like, no, dude, I want quick obedience in big things happening in every direction right now. Um, That's and so business. I don't even know if I'm making sense, but it's like yeah. the, the, some of the most apostolic people with the biggest dreams are going to need the long obedience in the same direction are going to need time. are going to need runway. And part of the maturing of some of us apes with huge vision is like, can you commit to this for many years? Yeah. Can you commit great. to it when you don't see the rain cloud. There you so go. You commit to the vision, to the hope, to the dream, put in the hours, put in the time, put in the faith, put in the perseverance. That dream will come true. It's not going to just happen in one or two years. And if you think that, and you're just going to move on, you're probably never going to see a, a big vision happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, I love that. I, I think what you're pointing <laughs> for all our spiritual formation friends and pastor friends out there, we, we, we love you. And so we, we mean we that. need you. We need you, but I think what you're saying is when there's a big vision, and and things aren't going well, it's easy to just start quoting like euphorisms uh, you know what are they called, aphorisms or whatever, like oh it's gonna just take euphorisms. This long. I don't know. I'm I'm forgetting how to say it too. I don't know what the word is, but this idea that you just say euphemisms. Euphemisms. <laughs> yeah, it's like these things that you say to kind of make yourself feel better, and but all you're really doing is just covering up the pain you know? And, and so, you know, there's like the folks that are like never going after big vision so that they can just play it safe. And so they're saying, and we're saying, we don't like that. But what God is also saying is I can't turn you into a, a woman or a man of big vision to lead that unless some of this stuff happens. So sometimes early on in our eighth careers or eight callings or whatever we're seeing all this ridiculous amount of growth because i think god's just affirming that calling you know it's like you are apostolic you are evangelistic you know don't 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 be shy you know and he's seen letting us see this stuff but then it, it shifts us into a place where he's wanting us to be mature and it's like a 10 year vision 15 year vision and he's like we're gonna see the same exponential things that god has done before. But it's just a longer route, and it's going to take some time. But it's not us saying, "Oh, um, yeah, just pray, you know, and wait, you know, praying." Yeah, pray and wait. But it feels different when from that apostolic posture, right? Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to. You're, you're wrestling through that. Yeah, uh, me too. Me too. I mean, um, I don't know what God's going to do. I mean, let's just think about it. Uh, the church I'm a part of is 37 years old, right? And so 37 years before launching its first plant is a long time, you know, and so, but that does not mean that it's not on time for God. It doesn't mean that God wasn't waiting for the right people and the right things to happen and some obedience to happen. And now here I I am, I get a chance and the great privilege to be a part of it, but I think God's going to do more and it's going to be a long vision and it's going to take some patience, some grit, some... Yeah. Perspective, all the things that we're talking about. So we just want to encourage people to stay the course. Right. So not not Bo's uh, title of a quick obedience in every single direction for great impact. That's not the book title here. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, man. Yeah, that's good. That's good. good. We better wrap this
0: one up. Um, I hope those stories were encouraging to you that are listening. (coughs) Um, Like I said, we want to start a, a new series that's just kind of ape encouragement. It's not going to be linear. We're going to pop in, share these stories, and and keep building that playlist on our YouTube channel. Um, we also have the 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 series on the dystopian reality. We'll be adding to that. We have obviously evangelistic, prophetic, apostolic series. We'll be adding to those. So be checking the YouTube playlists. Those will be updating at different times. And uh, again, thank you for following. Yeah. To share and like and subscribe um to this podcast so have a great day everyone bye yeah bye guys